If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor, and it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection, and I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hello and welcome to the Behind the Mirror podcast. I am so glad you're here. This week is a special week for me. This week is my birthday. Super, super stoked about my birthday week. Just got to say, it's not just a day. You celebrate the whole week. Can I get an amen? (laughs) So in celebration of my birthday, I created a gift for you. I created a free ebook for you called a field guide to toxic relationships and inside this ebook there's a test that you can take that will tell you if you are inside a toxic relationship there's also a step-by-step outline that i used when i was awakening change in my life to make positive shifts in my relationships set boundaries all the good things you will love this book i cannot think of a better gift that I would want to present each and every one of you with on my birthday. So if you'd like to download that free ebook, you can go to my website, justajesusfollower.com backslash toxic relationships, which leads me into what we're talking about today, the toxic relationships. We are going to tackle the four phases of a toxic relationship, which is the honeymoon phase, the red flags, denial, and awakening change. We're going to address all of those. We're going to look at healthy relationships versus unhealthy relationships, how you can tell the difference. We're going to talk about boundaries and how to set them, how to know what they're supposed to be, as well as what to do with those boundaries when people judge you for setting them. And we're going to talk about how to love unconditionally while protecting yourself. There is so much packed into this episode. I just can't wait to dig into it with you. But Before I do that, I have to tell you next week is going to be a fantastic episode also. So make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast so you don't miss it. Next week, we are going to have Paul Young on the podcast. He is the author of The Shack. And if you don't know his work, I don't know how you wouldn't know of his work because it's everywhere. He's amazing. If you haven't heard him speak, you will love our conversation. So Make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss awesome episodes like that. You can subscribe to this podcast through whatever source you're using to listen to this podcast, or you can do me a huge favor and go over to iTunes and rate and review the show and subscribe there. So all that being said, I can't wait to tackle today's episode. So without any further ado, here we go.
Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the podcast. We are tackling all things toxic relationships today, and I, I took a, a quick survey of you guys in the Facebook group, and I received so many comments from you guys about your struggles in this area of toxic relationships and and how to process them and navigate them. And there's just a plethora of different scenarios and situations all the way from adult children to ex-spouses to friends to family members. I mean, it's just across the board. And I think that that represents such, um, such a great picture of the human experience. You know, I think a lot of us get so frustrated and ticked off and angry when relationships in our life go sour or they end up feeling like this isn't what I signed up for and I love this person why aren't they loving me back in a healthy way and on and on we go and we just feel so shortchanged but the thing is is that this is part of the rhythm of life and I know none of us like looking at it that way no one likes to embrace the idea of pain and struggle and hardship and disappointment. None of us like that. And yet it's in those moments that so much of who we are is grounded. So much of our identity of our identity is cemented and truthfully how we respond to toxic relationships, I really think does set the course of the kind of life that we want to have and the contribution that we can make to the world around us and to our neighbors, to our community. So despite what you might be thinking, which is that you feel powerless, you feel like you have no control, you feel like these toxic people in your life have sucked all hope and joy and life out of you, that actually isn't true. The truth is you can have whatever life you want and you can fill it with whatever kinds of relationships you want. And not only that, but you set the temperature for how people treat you. You get to draw those lines. You get to to draw that picture, if you will, and color inside it however you want. So it's a myth that says you don't have any power and these people have all the power and they control you and manipulate you and your life sucks because of them. It's so not true. So today I wanted to focus on what toxic relationships are and the cycle of toxic relationships. How do you even know if one is toxic? And how do you set boundaries? And all all these questions we're totally going to dig into. So I'm going to start with the four phases of toxic relationships. The first phase is the honeymoon phase. And you may recognize that from the abuse cycle. Toxic relationships can turn abusive, but not all of them are necessarily in an abusive category. You can still be in a toxic relationship and it not be cataloged as abuse. Okay. So the honeymoon phase, if you are in an intimate relationship, this would be the phase of where you are just like falling for them head over heels and everything is rainbows and butterflies and you are falling hard. Like there can be no wrong in your eyes and it's just like the heavens opened and you have this amazing person that you are falling in love with. Okay. Now, if this is a friendship or a family member, so not intimate relationship, the honeymoon phase looks more like 
this is where it's just easy. This is where conversation doesn't feel tense. This is where you guys laugh and it's fun and everything feels light and airy. Almost its own romantic part of it, right? Like romance doesn't always have to be like a sexual thing. I mean, this is the romantic part of any relationship where it's just fun and you enjoy them and you want to be around them and you you feel connected to them. Okay. The honeymoon phase. All relationships have a honeymoon phase. It's like the greatest thing in the world. But then after the honeymoon phase, we move on to the second phase of red flags. Can I get an amen from all y'all people out there that saw a billion red flags and didn't turn around and stop, but you continued to pass go and collect your $200, right? Like we all can look backwards and say, oh, I saw all the red flags and I just kept going anyway. Okay, we're going to tackle that and figure out why it is that you do that. Red flags aren't bad. I, you know, I think there's this myth around the idea of red flags just being like, I got red flags. I need to run. That's not always the case. I think red flags can actually be a really good thing. Red flags are warning you of danger. They're warning you of something that could be potentially harmful to you. And the difference between a healthy relationship versus a non-healthy relationships are how those red flags are responded to. So, we'll look at a healthy relationship. In a healthy relationship, when red flags come up, right, they pop up and you have concerns and you voice those concerns, you're going to feel heard. You are going to see that person make steps to protect you and to protect the relationship. You're going to see in them a healthy response that looks like they're running after change. It doesn't mean that change happens overnight. It doesn't mean that magically this conversation fixes everything. But what it does mean is that this person is showing that they hear you and they want you to feel heard and they want you to feel safe and connected to. And so they're willing to make changes to ensure that that happens. That's a really, really good sign. So red flags, I think every relationship goes through a stage of red flags And it's how you handle those red flags that really determines if it's going to be healthy or not healthy. You know, I think some of the healthiest couples I know, I'm going to use, you know, marriage as an an example. You see where strength happened between them, where growth really happened between them. It was in this phase of their relationship. It was in the red flag part where they had to look at hard stuff that they didn't want to see about themselves. And when you love somebody, whether in marriage or in friendship or in family, inevitably you are going to want what's best for them. And sometimes when you see things that are hard to look at in the other person, you have to address them. And that's so hard. And when you've been on the receiving end of that, right? Like that's never fun either. Love, whether romantic or non-romantic, love will bring out an exposing an exposing part of yourself where it's all out there. And so it does invite it invites some criticism, it invites some change. It should evoke change. Love and loving relationships should invite healthy, good, positive change. So, like I said, healthy response here would be you're heard. You see positive action towards healthy change. You feel that they are making steps to protect you in the relationship. Okay. Now, an unhealthy response when you voice concerns over some red flags that you're seeing 
would look like anger. That's usually the number one sign is they get really angry and really defensive. Often you're not going to feel very heard and you're not going to see many efforts on their end to change or you're going to get a load of false promises of change that there's really never any follow through with. And above all else, you are not going to feel like they're wanting to protect you or protect their relationship. You're going to feel more like they're just in it to protect themselves. And oftentimes, sadly, you're made to feel like somehow all of those red flags were your fault. And that can get into the whole gaslighting thing, which I will tackle um, towards the end of the episode. But for now, this is a good way to see a healthy relationship, or at least one that's headed in a healthy direction, versus a relationship that's not headed in a healthy direction. So you could say that their reaction to your um, voicing of red flags can be an additional red flag or not a red flag at all. You know, it can be a sign of something that's really good and has a really good healthy foundation. So that is stage two. Stage two is the red flag stage. Now, this is where um, you're going to start to see, unfortunately, resentment start to build in the relationship if you are not met with a good response if you have an unhealthy response to voicing your concerns this is where trust issues happen they happen here where you know false promises are made and then they're not followed through on well that's going to break your trust or you trust them enough to be vulnerable enough with them to say hey that behavior scares me or that makes me feel insecure or that makes me feel unheard or that makes me feel like you don't listen to me well. When you're vulnerable and you say those things and you're met with anger or you're met with them turning it all around to be your fault, that's going to break trust too. So this is where you start to see trust issues begin to build up. And out of that comes this feeling of eggshells like you have to just walk on eggshells around this person where you are tiptoeing around certain topics you don't want to bring up certain conversations you don't want to be around certain people because that might ignite a certain response around this person you know you start to catalog in your brain the terrain that's safe for you to walk on and the terrain that means like bomb fields everywhere. So it it leaves this tension between you guys that's not healthy. And again, when you don't feel heard to express these concerns, it just leads to more frustration and more resentment. Now, I want to dig into the whole trust issue thing a little bit deeper because I, for me, for a long time, I had a misunderstanding of what trust was. And and I learned, and Brene Brown and her talks on trust are just phenomenal. So if you have not checked her out on her TED Talks regarding trust, it's totally worth your time. But I learned a lot through going through her books and her work as to what trust really is and what it isn't. Um, and one of the things that really stood out to me was this whole idea of predictability. And it's, and it's like this, like if you have a scale in your bathroom, right, that you stand on and weigh yourself on, you trust that it's going to give you an accurate weight. Like that's not something you're questioning. You know, when I stand on this scale, I know it's going to tell me an accurate weight. Okay. If you had a scale that every time you stood on it was vastly different, well, you weren't going to, you're not going to trust that scale to be 
accurate. You're not going to trust it to give you an accurate reading. So people's reactions are kind of the same way. You know, if I, if I can look at a friend or a partner or a relationship and say, I know with a hundred percent certainty that they are going to respond to this by doing this. Like I know if I go to them, for example, with a red flag, with a concern, I know I'm going to be met with safety. I know I'm like with a hundred percent accuracy. I know that they are not going to punish me. I know that they're not going to get angry and defensive at me, but they're going to hear me and try to understand me. I I can predict that with a hundred percent accuracy. How? Well, trust is built over time. Over and over again, you start to see that this person is trustworthy 100% of the time. So if you have a person who is all over the radar with false promises of promising change, but then sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, or their reaction to you coming to them with concerns or hurt or are all over the map, you're not going to be able to trust them. That's not a trustworthy person. A trustworthy person is someone that you can count on with 100% accuracy as to how they are going to respond to you or to certain situations. Okay, so as I said, the red flags portion, this phase, this is where you really see if this is a healthy relationship versus a non-healthy relationship and unfortunately where a lot of frustration and resentment start to build. Which leads us into phase three. And phase three is this lovely word called denial. Oh, don't we love that word? Actually, you know, studies show we actually really do love this word. People don't like looking at hard things. People don't like facing hard things. We are huge fans of denial because denial is easy. Because denial keeps everything at bay. It keeps us in our minds, feeling safe, although that's totally a false advertising quality there. We slip into denial after we see the red flags. This comes right afterwards, and I'll tell you why. When you are met with an angry response, when you are met with um, something that makes you feel unsafe, or something that makes you feel unheard, or something where you leave more damaged than you entered in, That's not fun to look at. So this is where we typically will cycle back to phase one. We we put our heads in the sand. We ignore how that whole confrontation or conversation went. And we go right back to the honeymoon phase. We go right back and we cling to what feels good. We cling to where things are happy again and things are fun and there's laughing. and, And we are grasping at straws trying to connect on something that feels good again, something that feels safe and warm again. We try to find that easy breezy love filled space because we want that connection. So often you see a lot of people go through these, these phases, one, the honeymoon phase, then two, we cycle back into red flags and then we're not met with the reaction we want and it's hurtful. And we bury that, we stuff it, we hide it and we circle through denial and make our way right back up to honeymoon and round and round we go thinking that it's going to be different which is part of like the whole definition of denial is we think something is something that it's really not so denial is is a really really important um 
step in this process because I think we are all naturally bent to want to go to denial. Um, I think that's a natural response. Like I said, we don't like facing hard things. But if we can recognize denial for what it is, and we can walk through denial and land on step four, this is a game changer. Step four, or phase four, is what I like to call the awakening phase. This is where you step out of denial and you step into reality. The awakening phase is where you are honest with yourself about the reality of your relationship. This is where you admit that you cannot change or fix this person. And you choose to release them of the responsibility of being something that they are not. This is a big deal. This is a big, big deal. Because this is where change happens for your good. This is where, like I said, you take ownership of your life, of your story, of your health, of your relationships, of the picture of the world you live in, the space you're in. This is where you get to design it. This is a really empowering phase. I like to call this part of the cycle, the awakening change phase, because this is where you choose to change something that is not working. This is where boundaries are come into play, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about them in a minute, but part of the awakening phase where you choose to be honest with yourself about the reality of this person and the reality of the cycle you're in, the reality of how they treat you, the reality of how you feel after being around them, the reality of truly the toxicity of the dynamic between you two. That awakens a whole new world for you. This is where change happens. Part of that change is that you have to come to grips with who they are and who they are not. If this is a person who every time you come to them with a red flag, they get pissed off and mad at you and turn it around and put it all on you as your fault. Well, guess what? My friend, that is who they are. Who you want them to be is someone who will listen, someone who feels safe, someone who feels like they want to hear you and they and they have empathy towards you and they want to to connect with you and protect you and grow a healthy relationship with you. Of course that's what you want. That's why you keep going to them. But when they continue to not be that person, at some point you have to admit to yourself that that's just not who they are. You have to admit to yourself that it's not in your power to fix them or change them. And so you have to look at them for who they are and you have to decide what kind of relationship can you have with them given what you're working with. Given who this person really is, what kind of relationship can I have that keeps me safe, that keeps me mentally sane, that keeps me healthy, and that brings me life and joy. What does this look like? This is where a lot of questions um, come into play with boundaries. And, um, you know, when I was prepping for this, this is, um, gosh, I just feel like I have so much information. I just want to like shove at you. Um, and, And this is something I personally 
I want you to know that I have not landed on these four phases perfectly ever. <laughs> I think I'm finally just now like to the point where I'm going, oh, that's how this works. That's how I got here over and over and over again, right? But I have come to that fourth phase many times in my life. I wish that wasn't the case. I wish that I had like the perfect track record that all of us want, right? With the lifelong friends that are amazing the whole way through. For me, with a lifelong spouse that loved me well from start to finish. With a family that I feel 100% myself with and safe to discuss things with. I, I wish I could tell you that. I wish I could say that was my story and I wish that was your story. But if you're listening to this episode, the odds are not in your favor that that's your story. And I want you to know that that's more normal than not. It's easy to look at other people and imagine or dream that they have all of those perfect relationships in perfect order and that you're somehow missing out on something that someone else got lucky enough to have. But the truth is, part of the human experience is struggle. Part of the human experience is pain and and learning to overcome and face that pain. So to deny that this is part of your story or someone else's story is to deny the human experience. So your your friends that you see on social media or Instagram that look like all of this is perfectly laid out for them, I promise you it's not. They're either in denial and they keep running to the honeymoon phase and they post pictures about the honeymoon phase over and over again, or they're just not being honest about it with you which is okay. A lot of people struggle um, inside very toxic relationships privately. They don't always make that public. I am a poster child for that. And you know, I, I kind of have mixed feelings about that. I, for me, it needed to be that way for a while, but then there comes a time when you need help, when you need people to jump in the boat with you and say, okay, you've been paddling this thing for like 500 miles. I'm going to take the paddle from you now. Rest. (laughs) Sometimes you need that. So there's no shame um, for people who walk this privately. I don't find that shameful at all. We do what we have to do to get through what we're in. But I want you to know that you are not alone and your story is not at all unique. In fact, if it makes you feel any better, I receive emails and messages constantly from people struggling with toxic relationships. So this is a human thing. It's not a you thing. It's not just a me thing. We're not in some private little suffering club. I promise this is a human thing. But moving through it in a healthy way and in um, an empowering way and setting healthy boundaries and setting healthy um, paths for yourself to walk on, that isn't always the human experience. A lot of people get stuck in the suffering part and they don't move forward into the change part. So that's what I really want to dig into. Um, As many of you know, I have made many um, changes in my life through different phases and different chapters, not only big job changes, but I made big marriage changes. I made big friendship changes. I made big church changes. I made big family changes. For some reason, I cannot stay in the denial phase for very long. So I find that to be really, really, really good. And I've gotten better at it over the years and it has served me really well. And so Moving through denial and into this awakening phase is where I really want to want to sink our teeth into. 
I made um, an ebook for you guys, and it's totally free, and you are welcome to download it. It is um, called A Field Guide to Toxic Relationships, and it offers a test where you can find out if you're in a toxic relationship, and then I give you the step-by-step outline that I used to awaken the positive changes in my life. It's literally the steps I took. I spell it all out for you. It's super short, super to the point, and I promise you it's life-changing. So if you'd like to get your copy of that free ebook, you can go to my website, justajesusfollower.com backslash toxic relationships, and you can get your free copy there. Okay. So looking at this whole, um, boundaries thing, you know, when I went through the changes that I, um, had to face in my own life, setting boundaries was not easy at first. It's hard. It feels, um, if there feels like tension or turmoil, maybe is better the word I'm looking for. Um, but that's a good sign. Anywhere where you feel tension or turmoil, you do need to focus your attention there. That's, that's, that means change is happening. That's a good thing. So if you feel nervous around setting boundaries, sweetie, that means you are on the right path. That means, yes, green light, go. Keep going. Go. Pass. Go. Get the $200 and keep running. Like you were on your way to boardwalk. Like that, that's a good sign. So how to know what boundaries to set Um, I think that has a lot to do with the honesty piece. When you look at, and I, and I said this earlier, I'm going to say it again because it's worth it. When you're honest with yourself about who this person really is, you have to be honest about what your life needs to look like with them being exactly who they've proven themselves to be. Not what your life can look like with them fixed, not what your life can look like with them listening to you and making all the changes that you would like them to make, but really accepting them in the space they're at right now. For you to be healthy and sane, what changes need to happen? That's a that's a game changer right there. For me, that, that was the question I... Um, had to answer when I made a lot of the big changes I made in my life and a lot of the boundaries that I had to draw, which were hard. Um, and it's, and it's important to remember that setting boundaries, that this is not something that can happen while you're in denial. And so I think people run into trouble when they, when they try to set boundaries because they know Um, that something's not right. Red flags are screaming, right? But they're slipping into denial. And so they're trying to set boundaries while not being fully honest with themselves about the reality of the relationship and the reality of the, the person that they're dealing with. And so boundaries are not going to be successful, nor are they going to be the right boundaries that you need if you're trying to set them inside of denial. So Truthfully, boundaries can only happen after you've let go of denial, pulled your head up out of the sand, you're breathing in the fresh air, the warm sun, and you are ready to awaken some change. That's where boundaries are successful. And that's how you really break the cycle of a toxic relationship is by setting healthy boundaries. Now, what those boundaries need to be for you, I can't tell you. And I so wish I could because I would love to wave a magic wand and fix whatever situation you're in, but only you know what you're working with. And this is where you have to be quiet. And this is where you have to be still and go inward 
one of the um, universal practices of all major world religions is the practice of silence, which I find that to be so fascinating, at least in the, in the higher um, forms of practicing religion. This practice of being silent and going inward and being still I don't think it's an accident that all major religions recognize that this is where it's at. This is the holy ground, if you will. This is where sacred moments happen. And that could not be more true for this. Part of awakening change means awakening your inner voice. Only you know how to access your inner voice. I can't get to it for you. Your pastor can't access it for you and tell you what your right move is. Your therapist can maybe coach you to try to find that inner voice, but they certainly can't tell you what it's telling you. Only you have access to that. And only that inner voice has the exact answer as to what exactly that boundary needs to be. I think this is why we go into denial because I think when we're as quiet, we know what that boundary needs to be and it scares the living hell out of us because it means we might upset people it means we might get people mad at us it means that that person that we're already kind of nervous and on edge around is going to get really mad all of that is scary it means we're walking into unknown uncharted territory and that terrifies us and yet that inner knowing that inner voice is the only thing that holds truth to the life that you want to live. You can ignore it. You can move past it. You can talk yourself out of whatever it is it's telling you because your pastor says differently or your friend says differently or your mom says differently or the book you're reading is convincing you otherwise, whatever. But you're going to keep circling back here over and over and over again, frustrated, knowing that something isn't working. It's only when you're brave enough to press in and be still and quiet and listen to that inner voice where you're going to find your next right move in that relationship as to what those boundaries need to be. So once you have that moment, which I believe you will, and if you download um, that ebook, it's going to walk you straight through that door. Once you have that moment, that breakthrough moment, and you have that inner knowing that settles so deeply inside your soul, and you know, okay, for me to be healthy, for me to be sane, this is the line I need to draw. This is what has to change. Not that person, because you cannot change their behavior, but you can certainly change the way you interact with them. You can change the dynamic of the relationship. You hold all of that power. That's all on you. So when you come to terms with what that change needs to look like and you start putting those wheels in motion, and this came up in the Facebook group, feathers get ruffled. People get so judgy. People get so opinionated. And all of a sudden, you are like, "Uh uh-oh, because I did this, now this person's mad at me. And now this person disapproves of me. And now this person that, this person that. And you feel like you're drowning in opinions and judgment. So not fun. And y'all, I I want you to know I have such empathy for this part of it because I truly have lived this. Oh my gosh, can we remember? Let's remember. Anna has gone through two divorces 
inside of churches with super conservative people. Can I just say, it sucked. It was not easy. And when I finally pulled my head out of the sand and raised the white flag and said, this is the reality I'm in. This is the honest truth about these situations I'm in, this relationship I'm in, whatever. And I can't do this. This has to change or I will not be okay. When I raised that flag and I spoke those words, you would have thought that like World War III broke loose. And I know that there are like billions of people who would totally have rallied around me and approved and been encouraging. And I did have many that were. But the sphere that I was in felt like a rain shower of stones. That's what it felt like. It was hard. And so when I get asked that question, you know, how do you deal with the judgy people that disapprove of your decision to draw that boundary and make that big change, whatever that change may be? I had to change my mindset. And this is how I had to view those moments. Your life is not a one-step ending point. Your life is a journey. So what I found is a lot of times we get in circles of groups of people that they've decided, okay, this is where you've landed and we like you landing here. This is, this is what your life is going to look like. It's done. There's never going to be any change. You're never going to move on. You're never going to grow out of this. This is the end for you. This is your stopping point. And so you get painted into this box of a timeline and yet the timeline is still going but they don't want you to keep moving with it and so I had to change my perspective to realize that my path is still moving forward my journey is just that it's a journey and I'm going to keep going on my journey doing my next right thing following my inner voice going where I know I need to go Setting boundaries where boundaries need to to be set. Making changes where changes need to be set. Redefining relationships where those need to be redefined. I have to keep going. This is where the journey is taking me. And I had to come to terms with the fact that some wanted to keep going on that journey with me and some didn't. And that's okay. Our instinct is to want to convince those people to come along with us, to drag them kicking and screaming down our path with us. But I found that that's more tiring than it is beneficial. The people who are meant to keep walking with you down your road, they do just that. They see where you're headed and they go, okay, and they just walk with you. That doesn't mean that some of the people that don't walk with you at first don't catch up later because that does happen. Often that happens a lot more than you think it will. Um, But there are those people who cannot get past the end of the timeline that they saw for you. They just can't. And so they stay stuck there. And you keep moving down your timeline. And I swear to you, you look back behind you and they're still in that space. They're still in that box looking at you as though it's, 10 year old you (laughs) like you 10 years ago they're like still seeing you there so I think that was how I was able to move past the judgment I just realized 
Yeah, they are choosing not to keep walking with me and that's okay. My timeline, my journey is still moving and they're not in a place to move with me and that's okay. And you just have to let it go. Dealing with people's disapproval gets easier, surprisingly. You know, you get to a point where you develop a little bit of a thick skin. And I think anybody who has walked a lot of successes in life, and this is who I'm I'm talking to, when you look at the people in life around you that you find successful, whether they be celebrity type people or whether they be business type people or whether they even be people in your sphere around you that you look up to, I guarantee you that they had a journey that included a lot of people's disapproval. But somehow, they didn't let that define them and they didn't let that stop them from going where they needed to go. People who know how to follow their inner voice, people who know how to set boundaries, people who know how to live in reality and not denial and are brave to make the changes that need to be made for their health and their sanity and create the life that they want to live those people are usually really successful. Those are the people that a lot of us look up to and, and want to be like. So I take courage from that. A lot of the people that I have learned from, the great teachers in my life, I, I see where they have trailblazed their own paths with a lot of naysayers along the way. So just because someone disapproves of you or you feel like they're judging you, that doesn't mean that you heard your inner voice wrong. That doesn't mean that you're making a wrong decision and you're totally ruining your life. It usually just means that they are not in a place to walk alongside your journey with you to where it's going to next. Okay, so I also have gotten this question. Um, When do you know when to cut off that relationship? And and that's totally a fair question. Um, And I realize some of you, like if you're dealing with an ex-spouse, you're dealing with a family member, cutting off per se isn't necessarily an option. Um, But I tell you what you can cut off. If you feel, let me back up. The answer to this lies in the knowing. It lies in the being still, connecting to your inner voice, And listening to what that voice tells you. Connecting with the divine. Being still and quiet. That's when you know when it's time to let go. Cutting someone off, it sounds so cold. Um, And I think that, and I've identified with that way of phrasing it. I think it's because it hurts to let go. So there's almost like a detaching that we have to do to where we detach those emotions because it hurts too badly. And so we just call it cutting off, you know, like cutting the cord, just get her done. I get that. Um, And in survivalistic scenarios, sometimes that is what you have to do to survive through it and you grieve later. I get that. But I think for me, it looks more like letting go and primarily letting go of the role that they had. So now, sometimes it truly is a friendship that you can walk away from and you never have to say their name again or speak to them again and you don't ever run into them unless you happen to run into them at a restaurant or something. Like sometimes that's an easy cutting off thing. I mean, not that it's easy. You still grieve that loss, but I'm saying there aren't any more ties to you other than the friendship you created. When you deal with marriages or you deal with family, 
or similar circles, even with friends, like if they're in a church group or something that can get harder. And so for me, I found that it looked more like letting go in a sense of that part of my heart that connected with them. I'll use a spouse example, um, that connected with them as that person that met all of those needs for me, all of the spouse partnership type roles. I had to cut that part off. I had to let that part go but I still could look at them as someone that I cared about and someone that was a friend, but not a friend that I could count on necessarily, not a friend that I knew was always going to be there for me, right? It was more in this space of I can love you from a distance and be your friend from a distance and and wish well for you and good things for you, but I am not expecting you to meet any needs of mine. I've had to let that part go. So, and this is true in family relationships too, you may have to let go of what you hoped that relationship was going to be or maybe what that relationship should be. You might have to let that desire and expectation go and find a way to love them where they are at but where you are expecting nothing out of them other than who they really are, who they've shown you to be, I should say. Because I don't think any of us are made to be unkind and mean and abusive or toxic. I don't believe we're made that way, but I believe we do choose the path that we are, are living in the path that we're on and the type of human we want to be. So letting go of who they've chosen to be rather, and just from a distance safely accepting who they've chosen to be, who they are. So how to know When that has to take place, well, it comes in the knowing, it comes in the quiet, it comes in the still small voice, being still and knowing it happens there. And then I think oftentimes it's more of an inner cutting an inner releasing than an external thing. I can still go and have coffee with a friend of mine that I have let go of. I'm still kind. I still listen. I'm still engaging. But the expectations I had on that person or the role that I expected or wanted them to have in my life, I let go of that because it was a toxic relationship and I recognized that and I had to accept them for where they were. So we can still be friends. I don't have to have this big like, I'm never speaking to you again moment. We're not children, okay? But I can release that role in my heart I can heal and move past that. Now, distance is usually needed for a while. And for some relationships, distance is needed long term because they are so damaging to you emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, what have you. Toxic relationships, can that can be the space they're in. So long term distance, if that's what you need, then that's what you need. You don't have to go to coffee with your ex-spouse for Pete's sake. (laughs) Like You don't have to. But I want to give you a, a a broad spectrum of what this looks like. I don't think that ending toxic relationships is an all or nothing thing because our lives are complicated. Our lives are intertwined. So I'm, I'm trying to give you little examples to hold on to as to how this can look in different scenarios. Um, I have some friendships and I've grieved them deeply that it ended cold. It ended abruptly and there was no speaking after that. And it hurt. And the hardest part was that I'm the one that had to set that boundary. And I 
hated it. But for my heart, in the space that was in at that point in time, I couldn't engage anymore. It was too painful. And so that was the road I had to take. And I wasn't mean about it. I wasn't, um, I wasn't cold about it. I really wasn't. But I had to draw a really clear line that this is not healthy for me right now. Does that mean I hope it stays there long term? No, of course not. When you've loved somebody, of course that you want to leave that door open for reconciliation. We all should want to leave the doors open for reconciliation. But within wisdom and after you have healed, you know, even if some of these people in your life are apologetic and sincerely wanting to change, you may need some time to heal. Just because somebody says they're ready to embrace change and be different and be everything that they should have been or could be or whatever, that doesn't mean you are obligated to jump back in. You don't ever have to jump in if you don't want to. You get to be in control of you. So there's no rules about that. You may decide you need a lifetime of healing. You may need years of healing. You may need some weeks of healing. I don't know. I don't know the gravity of the things that you are experiencing. For me, the relationships in my life that I've had to address in this manner, they all range. So for some of them, it was more minor offenses. And I needed some space, some distance before I was able to go back in with fresh eyes, right? And like I said before, sit at coffee, but my heart has released that role. Okay. Then there are others where it had to be a sharp, like ending. It had to be. And it's been years. And so there's just no right or wrong per se answer other than what your inner knowing tells you. Okay. I've also gotten the question, um, how do you love unconditionally while protecting yourself? And I kind of touched on this a little bit further, but I'm going to put it this way. I can love you even if I have set boundaries that put distance between us. Even if I have needed to redefine what our relationship looks like, I can still love you by not talking badly about you. I can still love you by being kind and respectful towards you. I can love you by forgiving you. That doesn't mean forgetting. That doesn't always mean restoring the relationship. Let's be real clear about that. But I can certainly forgive that grievance and not let it make me bitter. I can love you by being a truth teller. And this is hard. This is all part of that awakening change phase. This is where we move out of denial and we are honest. Being a truth teller doesn't always land well. But truth and love go hand in hand. So being truthful about the way someone treats you and the way their behavior makes you feel or how their behavior affects you can sometimes be the most loving thing you can do. That doesn't mean we get to be snotty about it. That doesn't mean we get to be all high and mighty and self-righteous about it. But it certainly means that we create space to be truth tellers. That's what loving people do. We tell the truth. We speak truth. But the thing is, is that you are not going to be able to do any of those things towards that person until you have loved yourself well first. So please don't put pressure on yourself to be a martyr, to go, you know, lay down and take it from all these people who are treating you badly for the sake of being some wonderful Christian or something like that. That's not what this thing is about. 
We are able to extend love towards other people because we are filled up with love ourselves. So before you dive into any of that stuff, dive into you first. Make the changes you need to make to get healthy for you first, to make sure you are safe, to make sure you are sane, to make sure that you are not just absorbing toxicity everywhere around you. It's okay to make those changes. It's okay to put yourself back on the priority list. It's okay to say enough is enough. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people, and myself included, go into this mindset of, well, I just need to be tougher. Well, I, you know, I'm too sensitive or, or, you know, I'm just making too big of a deal out of it. And, you know, it's just, it's not that big of a deal. Can I just say, nothing breaks my heart more than hearing that. Because every time I hear someone say that, I'm watching this person simultaneously shove their design, their makeup, their needs, the way they've been created down. It's like they're killing off little bits of themselves one by one every time they say that. There's nothing wrong with your needs. There's nothing wrong with your level of sensitivity. There's nothing wrong with you getting your feelings hurt. You were made the way you were made. And who cares if, you know, the person next to you, it didn't bother them, but it bothered you. Since when did that matter? That doesn't matter at all. You are unique. You are made perfectly and wonderfully. You're designed with purpose. And so if you have certain things that are super high sensitivity triggers for you, guess what? People who love you will honor those. They'll protect your weak spots. That's what love and healthy relationships do. We honor and protect each other's weak areas. We don't exploit them. We don't gouge at them. We don't gaslight them. We honor them. So I want you to to take a step back and give yourself permission to feel. Be honest with your feelings. Be honest. This is all part of moving out of denial. You got to be honest with yourself about this person's behavior and truly how it makes you feel. And so what if it wouldn't have made your neighbor feel that way? That doesn't matter. They're not living in your skin every day. You are. So you've got to be honest about what you really need and what you really can and cannot be around anymore. Okay, so you can't love someone else unconditionally until you are making sure you are being loved well first. Okay, now I'm going to end on this last um, question I got, which was all about gaslighting. And oh my goodness, this has been a long episode. Wow, if you're still hanging with me, bravo to you. This is like therapy session, isn't it? <laughs> like, I feel like I'm being my own therapist right now. I'm like, wow, this is good. I should take my own notes. Um, so gaslighting, I got a question of how do you handle someone who manipulates by gaslighting? Um, and if you're wondering what gaslighting is, that this is where someone makes you question your reality or makes you question your sanity. And, and they often do that by, um, they usually tell blatant lies. That's like right off the bat. Like they blatantly lie about stuff that you know they're lying about and it like makes you feel like a crazy person. Or they deny saying or doing something even though you have like loads of proof that they did it. Uh, they tend to attack. 
the things that, that are the most precious to you. So like when you're addressing an issue, they spin it around and start like attacking if you're a parent and that's like something that means a lot to you, they'll like attack your parenting out of nowhere or they'll attack things that feel really near and dear to your heart. Um, and oftentimes they, they like to project whatever issue it is that you are bringing up to their attention when you are addressing a concern or addressing an issue, they, they will spin it around on you and make it your fault. And I mentioned that in the, um, red flag department of an unhealthy relationship. That's like a number one sign. They like completely turn the whole thing around and make it your fault. Gaslighting is very effective. And I have, I'm living proof of that. I have been in some relationships where that was a very dominant thing. And I truthfully did feel like I was crazy. Like by the end of some of those um, relationships at the end, I was like, wait a second. Am I like, am I losing my mind? I know I saw that happen. I saw that happen, right? Why are they telling me that that didn't happen? I was there. I, I walked in. I saw it. Um, it can drive you crazy. So when I'm asked the question, how do I handle gaslighters? How do I handle manipulative relationships? Well, first of all, um, boundaries, 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 boundaries. And if you need to have a lot of distance and not speak to that person for, for a long, 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 long time, okay, <laughs> you go do that. Nothing wrong with that. But if you find yourself in a scenario where this is someone you have to interact with, such as an ex-spouse or such as a family member, and there's no way around um, having to talk to this person, oh yeah, I can relate. I, I have found, and this came through a lot of trial and error, I have found that sticking to the facts and moving on is your best weapon, <clears throat> weapon of defense, I should say. Because you start to recognize when the gaslighting starts, once you're aware of it, being aware of it is like huge. Once you're aware of it, you start recognizing when that's starting to happen. You're like, okay, they're turning it around on me. Your emotions want to take over and your rage will want to be like, what? <laughs> um, but if you can step like outside of that and recognize, okay, they're trying to change the subject. They're trying to to push at a hot button. Oh, they're attacking now something that's really important to me because they're trying to derail this conversation. You just keep going back to the facts respectfully and kindly. And if they keep derailing the conversation, this is what I've done. Calmly say, you know, when you're ready to talk about XYZ, let me know. Happy to talk about it when you're ready. And just hang up the phone or walk away or what have you. Sticking to the facts and moving on. Like, I know it sounds like really simple, kind of dumb, dumb advice, but I promise you this was a game changer for me. Every time I went into a conversation with the gaslighters in my life, I went in armed with that. Like, and, and sometimes you have to write it down. Like if you're on the phone, like have your facts in hand so that you remind yourself you're not crazy. This is what our conversation is about. And every time they try to jump a thousand different ways, you keep pointing back to the facts and eventually they get mad and hang up or eventually they realize, oh, I guess we are going to have to talk about this and they have to deal with it. And it isn't always pretty because gaslighters usually tend to be angry, emotional people. Um, not always, but sometimes you just have to stand your ground, speak the facts 
and don't give them the satisfaction of a reaction. That's really dismantling too. Um, and I think for the longest time, this behavior just upset me so much because the things they would say were just so wrong, so untrue, and so like tugged at everything in me that was defensive, right? But when I was able to step back and say, okay, this is not about me. This is about them avoiding responsibility or avoiding a topic that they are being childlike in their behavior towards looking at. Okay, I'm going to recognize that for what it is. It's a tantrum. Okie dokie. It's denial. Okie dokie. It's blame shifting. Okie dokie. Like you just, you recognize it for what it is. You stick to the facts and know that facts hold power. That's your weapon of choice, of defense, because you're not like armed at like destroying them. You are armed at defecting or defending and protecting yourself. You just stick with the facts and you move on. How they handle the facts is between them and God, not you. They can do with the facts whatever they choose. You hold on to facts and you move forward. End of it. Oh my goodness, we covered so much today. I feel like this is a conversation that could like that deserves a workshop or something. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do an online workshop about this. Wouldn't that be fun? Um, but in the meantime, we'll brainstorm about that. But in the meantime, again, my free ebook, A Field Guide to Navigating Toxic Relationships. You can access that by going to my website, just a jesusfollower.com backslash toxic relationships. You can get your free copy there. And I promise you. It will be life-changing for you. Thank you guys for sticking with me through this episode. And thank you for being brave and honest to have these conversations and to look at these things square in the face. I just applaud every single one of you. Just the fact that you've listened to this episode tells me that your head is not in the sand. It tells me that you are trying to walk through that denial phase into the awaken phase. And that is life changing. You have the power to create whatever life you want. You have the power and the freedom to be happy and be at peace and surround yourself with healthy people and healthy relationships that are life-giving. You have the power to do that. No one can take that from you. You can do and create whatever life you want. I hope this has been meaningful to you. I hope this has encouraged you. And if you are benefiting from this podcast, do me a favor. Go to iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. All of those things mean so much to me and really do help this podcast move forward. I love you all so much and may you be blessed this week. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.